It's where America's pastime and the Iowa Hawkeyes meet. It's the conversation you want to be in on. Talking Iowa Hawkeye baseball. It's Hawkeye Baseball Talk with Andrew Brown and Zach Mackey. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome one and welcome all. You are listening to the show that dives into the Iowa Hawkeyes on the baseball diamond. We also go from the high school ranks to the professional level, usually with an Iowa twist. That's right, you're listening to Hawkeye Baseball Talk. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Andrew Brown flying solo with you here right now as we are going to have yet another exciting episode. Before I do, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to check out social media and where we'll be. Check out our social media pages on Twitter, at Hawkeye underscore talk, as well as on Facebook. Just simply search Hawkeye Baseball Talk. Also coming soon, you'll be able to catch us on other avenues as well. But in terms of where you can find us, first off, go ahead and check out Well, wherever you can get your podcast, subscribing on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or if you're catching us on the great iHeartRadio app, thank you so very much for making this a part of your day. All I ask is that you continue to share it, spread the word, like it, and uh, just give a good word in because I love talking about baseball. Everybody I have on the show loves talking about baseball, and hopefully you enjoy this just as much as I do. But again, very excited for what we have coming up today. In T-minus less than one week away, we have arguably one of the biggest events in baseball, well, since baseball was shut down, and that would be the MLB draft. That's coming up on June 10th, and it will be the most unique draft we've ever seen in history. Ever since the draft has been around, it's been a lengthy one. 40 rounds has now changed to five rounds. That's going to have ramifications for what's going on in the future. What's going on right now, both logistically, financially, and a whole lot more. So in this conversation, I thought what better way to dive into the full 360 degree view than with a guy who knows the financials, the business, and the player perspective. He is the one and only Wayne McDonald Jr. of Forbes Sports Money, Forbes.com. He will be joining me in just a mere matter of moments as we talk about what impact this draft will have and what we could be looking at come June 10th. Again, ladies and gentlemen, please check out this show wherever you can on podcast form. Also, don't forget to check out the great sponsors who help make this show possible. The great folks like Tree Pans, Check out tree pans today for those planting trees looking to benefit not just the tree itself, but the environment as a whole. Go ahead and check it out. It's the best way to help grow your tree all the way to adulthood. You got to check them out today at treepans.com. Also, for the ranchers, farmers, or even just gardeners out there, everybody who has an electric fence, you got to go ahead and check out Insulites. It's an LED flashing insulated light that you can see from up to half a mile or more away. All you have to do is place it on any type of post right along the right along the electric fence and just watch it work. It goes with the pulse of the fence so you don't need to ground anything. You don't need to plug anything in. Nothing else needs to be with it. Just go ahead, pick place and watch it work. 
Check them out today at Insolites.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead now and dive into brass tacks, shall we? Let's go ahead and get into what you came here to listen to. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time! That's right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get down to brass tacks and rejoice, right? Because the MLB draft is coming on up. Although the conversation between the MLB and the MLBPA are not necessarily going well, well, and even though we may not know a definitive date for when baseball will be back, what we do know for sure is that on June 10th, the Major League Baseball draft will happen. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, we dive into things with the utmost expertise and we do so today with Wayne McDonald Jr. of Forbes Sports Money, Forbes.com. Wayne, as I talked about earlier, let's just get down to brass tacks and let's get down to it. This draft alone, single-handedly, is the most intriguing yet most frustrating draft that anybody will ever experience. And it hasn't even happened yet. It has not even hit the first pick. Now, every year you have a good crop of talent, you know, some question mark talent, some possible dark horse talent. You know, this year, it really no different from that aspect. There's still enough players in this draft to kind of fit all those categories. And certainly we have our number one, so our number one pick. We have the, undoubtedly the number two pick already solidified and so forth. But again, this is a different draft. I want to get your 10,000-foot view on this. How do you view this draft and the differences that it will present as opposed to, you know, well, drafts in the past or even drafts in the future? Well, I think the mindset has changed dramatically because it's a five-round draft. Uh, you're only dealing with 160 ball, amateur ballplayers will be drafted compared to roughly 1,200 that used to be selected over a 40-round draft, uh, which is going to affect greatly affect the undrafted free agent pool, where you're going to have roughly a thousand guys, you know, desperately fighting for, you know, those twenty thousand maximum twenty thousand dollar signing bonuses that teams can give out and i do believe the teams are going to be very cautious in how they spend their dollars these days so i think it's all going to be in these five rounds and i think you're going to see new philosophies i think the big philosophy is that it's the first couple of rounds i think you're going to see a massive push on college players I really, I think teams are going to go for these plays for the, for the simple fact that under the current circumstances, they might not have time to develop ball plays like they once did. Because we're in uncharted territories across the board in baseball right now. We don't know if we're going to see games this season or not. We have a lot of questions about the, hit, the, the, the future of minor league baseball and how teams are going to manage their farm systems. So I think if you have top 10 pick, top 15 pick in, in this year's draft, it's critically important to that, that you don't miss on these picks. And let's face it, you know, you're almost dealing with a 50-50 rate here 
in terms of success and failures. Um, and the Astros, as mentioned before, are a perfect example. They had four consecutive years of, you know, first or second picks in the draft, and they missed twice, you know, with Mark Appel and Brady Aiken. Uh, yeah, they, they got lucky with Correa, uh, and they got lucky with Bregman, who was the compensation pick uh, for the Astros not signing Aiken. Uh, but, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure on, on quite a few teams that they're going to have to get this right, and they can't afford not to. How much of this, in your eyes, Wayne, how much does this affect the, the Rule 5 draft, or does it do much to this, in your eyes? Because uh, I know that that is why it's not the most successful for a lot of teams. I mean, you've seen you've seen various guys come up. The Astros have had a couple of those guys come up through the Rule 5 draft be impactful. Uh, but ultimately, do you see the Rule 5 draft being impacted at all? And if so, to what extent do you see it possibly being impacted? I think it's too early to say just yet because I just don't know what we're dealing with. Uh, I clearly see the effect in the June draft <laughs> um, w- w- without question. But I do feel that there are probably eight ball clubs right now that are feeling added pressure because, you know, they, they, they've they been those sub-500 ball clubs for, you know, a few years now. And it, it, it's really a defining moment in a franchise's history that you get these high picks in a rebuilding process and you got to make good on them. Uh, because not, not only from the, from the perspective of you know, winning and changing the culture, but these are rare opportunities when you really think about it. And you don't want to look back and say, hey, look, we messed on, on, on this one, we missed on that one. Like a guy like a Mark Appel, well, you know, even though, you know, he was this top flight pitcher coming out of Stanford and the, the Astros gave him like $6 million in a signing bonus, he, he, he just couldn't get it together. Injuries hurt him. Struggles at the minor league level, which led him to be the third number one overall pick in the draft to have never made the major leagues. And, you know, that stuff happens. So I I think when we look at this draft, and we have to look at it through a completely different lens, because I, I think the landscape of minor league baseball is changing right beneath our feet. And I think teams are going to look at these ball players with a different level of expectations that maybe they're not going to have two or three years in the minor leagues to hone their skills and develop their talent. That might be a year now. Uh, so I think that, that there's a lot that we're dealing with, uh, but it's exciting because I do see a lot of great talent in this draft, particularly from uh, the college level. But I, I do believe that there's probably about eight ball clubs that are really in this position of that they can't miss here. They have to hit, and they have to hit in a very successful manner. Now, look, I'm not saying that, you know, they have to draft the next Derek Jeter or Chipper Jones. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. But they're going to have to get someone that could, could be a active contributor on a major league ball club for, for a sustained period of time. 
Um, you know, and I think that's what you need. You just can't have these guys that you draft because of potential and they're spending five, six years in the minor leagues. You know, I, I think if you're selecting a guy in the first, an amateur ball player within the first 10 picks of the draft, your expectation is probably within the three year window, they're up on, on your uh, major league roster. So it, it's a very different dynamic that we're dealing with. And I do feel it's going to be exciting. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Hawkeye Baseball Talk. And we're chatting up the MLB draft with Wayne McDonald Jr. of Forbes Sports Money, Forbes.com. And he's joining us here on the treepans.com hotline. Now, here, Wayne, I, I have an interesting thought. And you, you talked about those number one picks that never made it to the majors. That had me thinking about a thought I had a while back. And I extended it to really the top 10, 15 picks in the first round that never made it or didn't really meet their potential. And I got to thinking about it, and I, I, I don't think I'm really too far off base when saying this, but I feel like the most volatile position, even in a 40-round draft, is the pitcher. There's a lot of things that could go wrong here. And I and again, I'm not saying this that's the case everywhere. There have been plenty of positional players that haven't reached the potential or, or the major leagues. But I do feel like the pitching position is the most volatile. And it's intriguing to think about when you relay that to a shortened draft, not just the five-round draft that we'll see this year, but undoubtedly the shortened drafts that we'll see in years to come. I think it's going to be really interesting because you talked about not a whole lot of risk being involved per pick now as we go forward. You know, teams are going to have to be more deliberate. They can't really reach too far. Am I too far off base in your mind? Do you feel like the volatile position belongs with the pitcher? And how really do teams go about getting those pitchers? Because I see a number of different pitchers in the you know projected first top 15, top 20 picks. You know, what's what's your take on how to go about this if you're an MLB team? Is the pitcher a more volatile position that you want to stray away from in the first round? I think there's something there because, to your point, you know, it, I think what, we, what we're seeing now more than ever is a proliferation of the ulnar collateral ligament injuries, also known as the Tommy John surgeries. And I hate to say it, it's become par for the course when you're talking about pitchers uh the other thing with that as a concern is the is the recovery time and the, the, the whole concept of pitching it's a violent motion and movement on your body it's not natural motion and movement on your body so i i feel in today's game more than ever it's almost as if when you select a pitcher or you trade for a pitcher, you sign a pitcher, it's almost as if there's a clock that's on them. How long are you going to have with them before they have an ulnar collateral ligament injury, um, a bicep strain, uh, a shoulder injury? I, you just kind of feel like you hope that you can get your money's worth out of them before some, something goes. Uh, I do believe what we're going to see with some of these teams is pitching in I'm, – I'm always a big believer. Pitching in defense wins championships. And, you know, you can use pitches a lot of different ways these days. Uh, they're, they're not always going to be starters. 
It can be very creative with how they're used. Uh, case in point, uh, I think the tamper has <laughs> revolutionized the opener, yeah. and, and 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 how teams uh, attack it from that manner. But you have to look at it also too from this perspective. In all major league front offices across the game, there is these philosoph- There are these philosophical conversations regarding algorithms that are being created to evaluate high schooling, collegiate talented ball players, and the season scout with their assessments. And teams are doing a far better job of taking the information from both sources and making informed decisions. So I, I think the teams that are really getting into that collaborative thought process with, with the analytics and with the scouts and really trying to hammer it down because they know that the margin forever is very small. And you can't spend in the now, knowing the game, knowing the, the, the circumstances that we're dealing with in the game, you can't afford to spend $6 million on a kid that's not going to work for you. You know, I, I looked at it in the case of the Marlins. You know, if they get the number, they get the third overall pick in this year's draft, that's a slot value fee for a signing bonus of $7.2 million. That's a lot of money in this in, in under these circumstances. And, you know, if you're going to give that to, say, a pitcher, you know, the, the, you better be comfortable in that in that thought process. Um you know, I, I, and I think it, a lot of it is position driven, um, and 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 it's funny because you see a lot of these guys they're drafted at one position and they're changing. You know, I, I think you know guys like Bryce Harper originally were were as a catcher, drafted as an outfielder. You know, Bregman was Alex Bregman was drafted as a shortstop, placed third base, but he you know he covered for Correa when Correa was injured at at uh, shortstop. You know, guy like Kyle Schwarber was drafted as a catcher, turns into a left fielder. So I, I, I think there has to be a clear assessment of these guys before you draft them. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Hawkeye Baseball Talk. We're chatting with Wayne McDonald Jr. of Forbes Sports and MoneyForbes.com. Wayne, in the same vein you just got done talking about, I, I want to put that towards high school talent in this year's draft. From all the circles I've talked to, from what I've listened, what I've read, there's a lot more emphasis right now being put on more experienced talent, i.e. college talent, over high school talent. Then again, you see really talented prospects like Zach Veen really high on a lot of different boards. And I've seen him routinely in the top 10, top 15 for this year's first round draft. That begs my question here, Wayne. If you are a team, and as you talked about, every pick has so much more importance on it to get it right, do you run that risk of going for the high school talent? Yes, he may be more talented than other collegiate players, but that experience factor has shown to be a big, big impact. And we've seen it in a lot of the busts that have taken place. The experience just wasn't there. So ultimately... Do you go for the talent? Do you run the risk of that talent? Or as a team, what fine line do you walk in this year's draft regarding high school talent? That's a great question. And it's something that I've been kind of going back and forth over, you know, I'd say probably the past week when you really think about it. Because when you start to wrap your mind around it, if this is a 40-round draft, 
you know, you take the you take the risk. You take you take the chance. Um, five rounds, it, it definitely makes you think a little bit. Now, from what I've seen, Zach Veen is projected to be the pick of the Royals, a fourth overall pick in the draft, and that would be huge because last year. The Royals took Bobby Witt Jr., you know, another high school kid. And that would say to me, the Royals are all in on these guys. Those are going to be like the next Alex Gordon, Mike Moustakis type of guys where you draft them high in the draft. And you're going to start to build a team around them. Because I, I, when, I when I was kind of looking at the, the, the first 10 picks and kind of putting it together... You know, my thought process for the Royals would be Emerson Hancock might not be a bad choice to go. College pitcher. Probably the second best pitcher, you know, college pitcher at least, in the draft behind uh, Asa Lacey from Texas A&M. Uh, so, uh, to me, I think that fourth pick with the Royals is going to be very interesting. Because if they do go with Bean... You know, it, it kind of sets a different uh, tone uh, because I, you know, I was I was thinking that you you probably get. And this is just my opinion on it. I thought probably eight or nine of the first ten picks were going to be college guys, and you probably wouldn't have seen a high school player until like the sixth or seventh pick. But in in all actuality, Veen could be fourth. Uh, but I do think you're probably only going to see six maybe seven high school players drafted in the first round uh because teams are going to ho- hope that they're going to be surefire guys uh that's why i think you're going to see in in the first couple of rounds if they these are not surefire high school players i think teams are going to give a second look to but you know with that being said we know Zach Veen's going to be in the top five conversation. You know, we, we look at a kid like Robert Hassel. We look at, you know, players like that where, you know, people are going to look at them. And they're pro- and they're, those two guys will probably be, you know, top ten picks this year. And certainly, Wayne, a lot of possibilities are out there on the board. Certainly it wouldn't be out of the, out of the realm of possibility for all that to happen. You know, this is going to be a very intriguing draft. It certainly will be fun to watch. But speaking about the fun, something you talked about earlier I want to expand upon when you mentioned that there will be teams that need to hit this draft harder than others. You know, we, you have teams out there like Miami who really this year and next year will be kind of proving grounds for them in, in terms of their young talent. You have teams like the Mariners who really have to find somewhat success in this draft to continue to produce to find a good season Uh, certainly a lot of storylines that come with that but what teams were you thinking of in terms of those who need this to go well and for and those teams who may be able to sit back a little bit in this draft i think the most pressure if you ask me honestly is on the detroit tigers because if you look at the tigers they had the first overall pick in the 2018 draft, and they got Casey Mize out of Auburn. Last year, they had the fifth overall pick in the draft, and they got outfielder, a high school outfielder, Riley Green. Now, they had the first overall pick yet again this year, and let's call it like we see it. Spencer Torkelson will, will probably be drafted by 
the, the Tigers next week out of Arizona State. So for me, there's a lot of pressure on them to take these three top five draft picks and turn something into it. They, they ha- I feel like they have to because you, how can you not bec- turn your fortunes around with three consecutive top five picks with two of them being the first overall pick in the draft in 2018 and then in 2020? But I do believe there's a lot of pressure on the Orioles, the Marlins, and the Royals, probably more than the other teams. Yeah, the Blue Jays have the fifth pick, but I look at those teams in particular and feel like they have to do something. Okay, Royals are in a total rebuild, uh, but they still have that hangover from winning the 2015 World Series. You know, their fan base can go back and say, hey, we went through the painful rebuild, but guess what? It paid off for us. You know, we won that World Series with Eric Gordon. We won it with Mike Moustakis. We won it with Hoshifer and, you know, Lorenzo Cain, all, all of these type of guys. Where there's probably a little bit bigger of a margin for error there because they've already done it. Uh, I, I think... In the case of the Tigers, there's extraordinary pressure on them, but not so far behind are the Orioles and Marlins. I, I think, you know, the, the Orioles did very well for them. Did the, the, very well for themselves last year with Adley Rutschman, uh, solid pick and everything. Um, but they have to have another big hit, and they, they have to be able to sell to their fan base two top-flight young players in their system. That could be cornerstones for the next eight to ten years. And the same goes for the Marlins because last year they had a solid draft. You know, they got Meisner and they got Blade, you know, uh, right right off the off the bat with you know in the first round the supplemental pick. But this is another pick that they, they have to they have to do well on because you can't look back and go, Well, we had consecutive years of top five picks. And we couldn't convert them. And as we mentioned earlier, in the case of the Astros, they had four consecutive seasons like that, and they only hit on two of the four. So I believe there's more pressure on teams like the Tigers, the Orioles, the Marlins, and the Royals more than any other team in the drafts right now. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Hawkeye Baseball Talk. Thanks for tuning in. However you may be tuning in, whether it's Apple iTunes, Spotify, or the great iHeartRadio app, please go ahead and give a share, give a like, give a tweet out. We're on Twitter at Hawkeye underscore talk. We're also on Facebook, just simply named Hawkeye Baseball Talk. Please go ahead and uh, give us comments, give us a shout out. Anything you want to talk about, we'll be there. Right now we're talking about the Major League Baseball draft coming up June 10th. And we're doing so with the one and only Wayne McDonald Jr. of Forbes Sports Money, Forbes.com. Wayne, interesting enough, I want to talk about just the structure and the rounds of the draft here. Arguably, there will never be another five-round draft. But on the same token, it looks like there will never be a 40-round draft again. You know, we've seen the negative side effects of what 40 rounds can do, the, the bog down effect. You know, we've already seen Major League Baseball trim things down, like the number of minor league teams are set. A lot of people are thinking they're going to be set to trim the amount of minor league teams down.
But that's just one avenue. And the Major League Draft definitely seems like the next target. So if they go ahead and truly trim things down to a shorter draft, what's the what's the good middle ground here? What's a good number so that you don't have too few and you don't have too many and you don't have complications that are associated with either? I think we can have a better answer for that question in a month after we go through the draft and kind of see how it works and everything. Because I do believe probably within the next year, and we're living through it right now, the landscape of minor league baseball is rapidly changing. And the farm system structure will probably change as well, which is going to affect how teams construct their farm systems and how they approach the the, the philosophy of running one. So I think we're dealing with a lot of that because let's face it, you know, I think – we're probably seeing the end of able, you know, in, in the minor leagues. If if things go the way, sadly, I think they're probably going to go. And we're already seeing teams releasing 45, 50 minor leaguers at a clip here. So that means that there's going to be very limited roster spots, which means there's going to be extraordinary pressure to get it right with these guys. And with the money being what it is right now, teams can't afford to make a mistake. And that's why I think these teams are going to do their homework like you would never believe now more than ever because they can ill afford a multi-million dollar mistake in the draft. You know, there were times where you looked at a guy and said, okay, you know, we gave him a couple of million dollars and it didn't work out. But now, you know, you give a kid six, seven, eight million dollars in the top three picks of the draft and that doesn't work out. That's pretty bad. Um, so I think we're just at the the beginning of significant changes to how the draft is going to look and feel and how minor league baseball is going to be able to support these players and how many players we're going to have. Because if you've ever been to low minor leagues i mean below double a because double a and triple a i i consider in a little bit of a different category because these are guys there's more than a few guys that major league ball clubs are serious about at these levels but if you get to you know short season a low a and and that you go to a game and if there's a 25-man roster 20 of those guys will not be playing professional baseball the following year. So, you know, there is a little bit of a ruthless element to it where you're essentially just putting teams together to give the legitimate prospects a chance to play um, more than anything else. And I think that Major League Baseball is kind of realizing we can't afford that model anymore. Um, And we're just... uh, you know, prolonging the inevitable for some of these talented kids that, you know, that their baseball dreams are going to end. Um, so I, I think the whole model is going to change dramatically because we're we're in this confusing time right now and there there is not a single clear answer for us to really hold on to. I 100% agree with you on that. I mean, the amount of question marks we have or still will have could really fill an entire stadium. But, you know, then again, we're all in the same boat. And speaking about that same boat, 
I want to get your take on the just the, the draft itself and the placement of it. This year was going to be a very magical year in the sense that it would be the first year that the Major League Draft would be in the same setting as the College World Series. You know, I, for one, have been in love with the College World Series for as long as I can remember. For the past, I think, 10 years or so, my dad and I have gone there every year. And it's just been such a fun event in itself. And then you add the draft with that. It was set to be so much better than ever before. Then the unfortunate timing of the coronavirus hit. We, we don't have the College World Series. We do have the draft, but it is virtual. You know, nonetheless, I did want to get your take on just having the draft at TD Ameritrade Park at the site of the College World Series. And then along with that, what will we get that again? Is there a chance that we may not? And if we do get it again, how special will it be to finally have that back and to finally experience that? I was so looking forward to it. I, I, really, <laughs> I really wanted to see the Major League Baseball draft at the College World Series. That was just like, for me, that would have been heaven. Uh, because I... You know, I've never been. I've always been frustrated with the, the the baseball draft because it's it's done in a television studio in Secaucus. There there isn't the the allure and the appeal of the NBA draft or the NFL draft or even the NHL draft. And you know they only bring a handful of kids to, to the draft, but they they can because they're probably high school players. Or the college players whose seasons are over and they're not in Omaha. It just made sense to me to have the College World Series and the Major League Baseball's amateur draft in the same city at the same time and just built this excitement where, you know, ball players who are on the teams competing in the College World Series could actually be there rather than showing their picture on a graphic on the MLB network. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy the coverage on the MLB network, and they've done a, a splendid job um, throughout the years. But they, there was always something missing for me. And, you know, ba- baseball is different than the NFL and the NBA where – these kids get drafted, and you might not see them for a number of years. Where in the NFL and the NBA, a day after these kids are drafted, people are buying their jerseys. <laughs> so it, it, it's a different mindset. But I think it was a great step. For, it was an, a great attempted step forward by baseball to get this together to one draw attention to the college world series because I don't think that gets the attention that it deserves because it's just absolutely wonderful. And two, you make that natural connection, you know, because that was the important thing. Um, you know, now hindsight's always twenty twenty, and yeah, it's nice to see a couple of these guys in the studio in Secaucus, uh, in New Jersey, uh, you know, be announced and everything, but it's not the same. And I, I do hope that our our society gets back to normal as best as we can both from a health standpoint and other things that are sadly going on uh, right now and that we can get back to maybe having games, the Field of Dreams games between the Yankees and White Sox in Iowa. Um, 
you know, we, we can do the things that we wanted to do with the game, and uh, especially with the draft, because I really was looking forward to the experience of uh, the College World Series uh, and the draft. Well, hopefully, along with the draft, something else gets figured out within baseball. I know the recent proposal by the Players Association for 114 games got X-nayed by the league. Hopefully they come up with some type of proposal they can agree on. Because honestly here, Wayne, I would join up with the Squirrel Circus League if it meant baseball in some way, shape, or form is back. Because I don't know if I can go too much more without baseball. Well, well, in my case, I have nothing to write about. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's and, true. And, you know, I'm sitting here eyeballs deep in draft material and Miami Marlins stuff and... You know, hey, look, in my case, um, you know, I looked at it from this perspective. I was going to be in Cooperstown this summer covering the Derek Jeter Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And that was going to be a huge event. An estimated 80,000 people, you know, descending upon Cooperstown. Um, that that was a cool thing, you know. And there's, there's a lot of things within the game that all of us, are missing out on right now uh but we have to get back to one key thing health and safety of everyone that is of paramount importance if we can get health and safety first we can build back we can rebuild and i've seen it before and we've seen it again we just need to make sure we're working as a unified front on everything these days well, you know what? Truer words were never spoken. Again, ladies and gentlemen, Wayne McDonald Jr. of Forbes Sports Money, Forbes.com. A big thanks to Wayne for all his time and expertise. And with that, we're going to wrap things up. But before we do, please go ahead and like us on Twitter at Hawkeye underscore talk. Please subscribe to us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Also on the iHeartRadio app. And also, well, give us your comments. Were we off base on a few things? Should we have added more? What are your thoughts? Please go ahead and give us your comments on Facebook and Twitter. And thanks again for making this a part of your day. As they say in the showbiz world, it's a big one out there. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you next time. <laughs>